But of course, when you're a young traveler, you're like, nothing bad will happen to me. <laughs> so I went to the ATM, got a bunch of money out, had my DSLR camera, had all of my important documents pretty much. I was like, okay, let's go to this island where people get robbed. <laughs> This is the final call for me. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 443. They say everything is bigger in Texas, but really, Texas, you can't compete with Australia. Australia is as wide as the distance between London to Moscow, and the biggest property in Australia is actually bigger than the entire country of Belgium. That being said, over 85% of people live within 30 miles of the coast. But really, you can't blame me. I just started to learn how to surf a year ago. And for anyone out there who surfs, you know that it's not something you pick up in a year. And today I went out in some really big waves with some friends who are awesome surfers. And while it was really difficult, it was super fun for me. And one of the best things about life is the fact that you can continue to learn at any age and at any time, you could continue to try new things and improve and get better and learn if that's something that you want to pick up. If that's a skill or a degree that you want to pick up, you can go back and do that at any time. And one of the cool things about Oregon State eCampus is that everything they do is online. They have over 85 programs all online so that you can continue to do cool stuff out in the world while going back and getting a degree and even advanced degrees in some cases as well. Now, one of their students, uh, Fiona Wild, definitely isn't someone who's a beginner. She's a world champion stand-up paddleboarder and also an Oregon State eCampus student. She studies geography and geospatial science online while she travels for competitions. I should probably be getting some tips from Fiona. If you're someone who wants to check out Oregon State eCampus, they're ranked number four in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. Go to ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. Remember, that's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. That way they know that you've come from the EPOP podcast. We get some love from them. ecampus.org state.edu slash peanuts Welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sher, and joining me today are the half Aussie, half American duo. You're going to get to tell by their accents who's who, um, who have roamed the historic streets of Cuba, bathed elephants in Thailand, danced in one of the biggest music festivals in Europe, and have done something many of us, maybe all of us listening, have either done or dreamed of, gorge themselves full of food in Italy. Christine and Jules from Don'tForgetToMove.com and, love this, the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, which has a tagline, when goes wrong on the road. So you know we're getting to mishaps today, guys. Christine <laughs> and Jules, thanks for joining me. Huge welcome. Yeah, thank you so much thank for, having, for having, having us. And 
Which one's which? That's right. <laughs> who's who? Who's the Aussie? Who's the American? You guys G'day, guys. <laughs> G'day, mate. Yeah, I'm like totally from California. <laughs> that was a terrible accent. Okay. Mine is worse, though. My Aussie accent is awful. Yeah, okay. Switching roles. You each have to do each other's accent for the entire show. Let's see how Oh, God. It's going to be a horrible show. <laughs> so you guys... You know, I love the tagline. I love the idea behind saying, hey, travel is not always this glamorous, magical thing. In in fact, when it's not glamorous, it sometimes is magical in hindsight. Like, that's one of the reasons we all like to travel. So we're going to get to, like, the mishaps, and they'll spill out, I'm sure, as we go through. But you guys actually met on the road, correct? Like, you, your relationship budded while you were both traveling. Yep. So obviously we're from pretty much opposite sides of the world, but we met in South America and Peru when we were both solo backpacking in 2012. We were both just on our own trips, doing our own thing. And we happened to arrive at a nonprofit disaster relief organization to volunteer there just a day apart from each other. And we ended up volunteering together for about six months. And in that time, we just developed a friendship and then a relationship. And after that, we were like, neither of us wanted to go home and live like normal lives. So we just kept traveling together. And that was eight years ago. We <laughs> and still, we're pretty much still traveling. Well, let's travel now, but uh, not right now. Still doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So that was like for both of you, was it the first checkbox? Like doesn't want to go home and live a normal life? Yes or no? If they say yes, they're, they're out. If they say no, then maybe we can make this work. Yeah, well, we had we knew we had some similarities at the start because we were both traveling long term. We were both uh, working nonprofits and volunteering. So we we're like, okay, that's a good start. And then when we talked about our plans, we were both extremely vague about what we wanted to do and when we wanted to go home, which is pretty much how it is now as well. Uh, so we thought, yeah, that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because we were both solo backpackers. And when you travel by yourself, you're very used to being able to do what you want, when you want, see what you want. And you're just like responsible for yourself and can just choose what you want to do. And then to bring another person into that mix and travel then as a couple, it's kind of a whole different ball game. So we had to both be down to just keep traveling and to give up that kind of individual freedom and be able to travel together and make that work. And I guess it worked because we're still together. We're married. <laughs> And now we're married, yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. And we're going to talk yeah. about that, I think. One of the things I want to touch on is the, is the differences and how your travel style evolves. Sometimes it's because you're adding another person to mix. Sometimes it's because you get older, you, you like different things, whatever. But I want to take it back kind of early on for both of you of where did this love of travel come? Because you, you met on the road, but you were both on your own individual journey. So at some point, each of you said, man, travel is like a big priority, maybe the thing I'm going to base a huge part of my life around. So where was it for each of you that like, if there was an aha moment or if it was just ingrained in you from an early age? I was a bit of a late bloomer with travel. Uh, being from Australia, I guess maybe back in the day, people didn't travel as far and as long as just Aussies do now. And so I, travel wasn't really on the cards for me, but my grandparents, I remember, always used to travel all the time. And they used to always go and bring back those kitschy, souvenirs like the t-shirts and the postcards and things and I remember thinking like that there's a wider world out there but it took me a while to get actually be bitten by the travel bug I think I was 21 uh, and I went over to Thailand for a few months as part of my college uh, course and that's when I really you know really backpacked hit the road for the first time this was pre you know smartphones and this is when you're in an internet cafe and so I really got that experience of backpacking and sort of feeling of discovery and that's probably where it started for me. 
I was really fortunate in that my parents were really into travel and just seeing new things and kind of doing that adventure kind of lifestyle. Like we would just hop in the car, me and my brother, and my parents, and just take a road trip and go in a direction and have no idea what we were doing. And that kind of travel uh, style has definitely rubbed off on me. And later I uh, traveled with my parents. We did Europe and some other places. And I was really fortunate in that. But my parents pretty much did not plan anything. Like we would literally just show up to a country or a city, have no hotel, nothing planned. And sometimes it worked out really well. Sometimes it was a little bit difficult. And like there would be an event on and all the hotels hotels would be booked and we'd end up staying at the house of the concierge of a hotel instead of a room. So it was always kind of that spontaneous adventure travel style, which is pretty much how we've continued to travel. It's pretty much how your parents still travel. Yeah. I've traveled, we've obviously traveled as a family and with 15 parents and even up until last year when we got married in Mexico and it was still the same thing, you know, the day of realizing, oh, my credit card's got blocked because I didn't tell my credit card company. Oh, I haven't bought this, I haven't bought that. So like nothing really changed. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, I'm really lucky in that my parents are very into that kind of adventure travel lifestyle. And I, yeah. And then after college, I just wanted to travel and none of my friends wanted to go with me because everybody wanted to get started on their careers and whatnot. And so I was like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to get a one-way ticket to Mexico and go by myself. And that was really, that was definitely an aha moment. Getting down to Mexico, staying in my first hostel as a solo backpacker, looking around, meeting people from all over the world, having immediate friends, because that's what it's like staying in a hostel, and just being like, wow, there's this whole community of backpackers out there seeing the world that that I didn't even know existed. And I have tapped into this community, which is awesome. And that's all I wanted to do pretty much after that moment. Yeah, that's, that's so fascinating to me that your parents, I mean, good for them, you know, were so willing to throw caution to the wind, even with kids. Obviously, it can work. Like you mentioned, you might just end up at the concierge's house or something like that. But I've noticed for me, like one of the things I've started doing, especially since having kids, is like, all right, we at least have a place to stay for one night, right? Like, I, I'm not gonna, not gonna be too carefree because it does lend, I mean, it lends itself to experiences, but it also lends itself to headaches, right? Um, and so you kind of want to walk that line between, yeah, I want to have an authentic experience, but I also don't just want to waste time and, and, or, or, you know, put myself in a situation where, you know, I'm not having a good time. So good on them. I mean, Good on them for just saying, hey, we got kids. We don't care. We're still doing Good on them for still doing it even at your wedding, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I think it's half style, half uh, just... Uh, just a lifestyle, <laughs> just pretty a much. Lifestyle. Just, you know, making last minute decisions and yeah. Yeah. For you all, you, you mentioned this right when we started. Is this idea of a difference between, hey, I'm independent travel. Like I'm getting to do my own thing whenever I want. No worries, you know, whatever. And then bringing someone else into the mix. And of course, for you all, bringing someone into the mix now long term. It's not like, oh, I've got a travel partner for a couple months and then off we go. I'm going to do my own thing. What has been the biggest difference or the hardest learning curve? Like what took, what was like when you first started the thing that you're like, oh boy, like this, this is, yeah, I'm going to have to get used to this. 
Definitely patience and then knowing when to give each other space. <laughs> so when you're traveling, you're together 24-7. You are often in very small confined spaces, sharing, you know, a room, a bathroom, everything. And it things can get like to a boiling point very quickly, especially before you've learned each other's like rhythm of travel and everything like that. So just learning when to walk away and be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go take the afternoon and walk by myself. And we'll just separate for a little bit and come back together for dinner or something. Just having that little bit of space from each other, I think, is really important. It's kind of like being in COVID, being locked down. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a talk about a difference. Yeah, I think Heather and I had the hardest part. Like we had kind of gotten our travel down a bit. Not to say it was perfect, and I'll say we didn't fight. Of course, we did. But you know, we kind of knew what you know what the other person could handle, what they couldn't, what I should take, what she should take. And then, yeah, COVID hits and we're like, wait a second, we're used to being around each other, but we're not used to uh, only being around each other and not getting to do it somewhere exotic, fun, you know, in a travel space. And and that was a bit of a learning curve for, for us as well. Do you all still take solo trips at all or, or, or do you do day? Like if you take a trip, you might say, hey, I'm going to take this day to do this. And and Joel says, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go do this. Um, I mean, we're honestly like we're pretty similar in, and we're very flexible in the way that we travel. And we we don't have to have too much compromise where Christine or I really want to do something and the other person doesn't want to do it. So we've been pretty lucky with that. That we we sort of joke that we've been molded into one person over the years because we spent so much time <laughs> traveling. We also work together full time on the blog and everything else, and so we've just sort of blended into one thing. And sometimes we can't even tell, you know, do I like this or do we say that? Like when, especially when it comes to Australian like things you say in Australia and things you say in the US will often be like do do I say that like do Aussies say that do Americans say that and Kristen's like I don't know I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember so, you know that's kind of like how that's our life now it's like do I like doing that I'm not sure but I'll just do it <laughs> so yeah over the years it's, it's just been a bit of a yeah, I think, I mean, we take uh, work trips occasionally separately. Like if there's two work trips opportunities we have at the same time, we'll each take one and go off and do our own thing. But mostly, yeah, we've pretty much perfected like our rhythm of traveling together that I we don't need that much time apart anymore, which is probably terrifying because we probably should spend more time apart, but we're just so used to it now. And we have really similar interests. We're both really into um, the more like adventure style of traveling. So we both want to see usually the same things anyway, but we do take a little time, like a couple hours, Jules will go for a walk and I'll, you know, sit and read my book or whatever. And having that little bit of quiet time is definitely important. Yeah. Or like when we live in, so we spend, when we can travel, we spend three or four months out of the year living in Bali and I'm big into surfing and Christine likes yoga and meditation and stuff. So that's, that's definitely a time for us to do our own activities where, you know, I'll go down to the beach in the morning and surf for a few hours and Christine will go do her own thing. And so we do have a few differences that we like to, do but yeah do you guys ever travel with other couples i know you said you travel with like your parents christine and and that do you have other groups of people maybe it's other groups of friends or or, or other couples that you that you do travel with on a somewhat consistent basis or a somewhat regular basis 
No, we we pretty much just travel by ourselves. I feel like adding more people into the mix would be kind of a mess. I mean, we have traveled with friends a bit. And then when we go like live in Bali, we have a group of friends that live there and we'll do a little bit of like day travel with them. But I feel like we are just so used to doing things on our own that we're just like, we're good. We don't really need anybody else. But that was kind of one of the things about traveling long term, just the two of us, was that we were really missing that sense of community and having steady friends which is kind of one of the downfalls of traveling year long. You're, you know, you, it's hard to have that community. Or if you do have it, you generally have it for a short amount of time. So it's hard to grow it and really solidify those friendships because we have friends. We can say we have friends all over the world, which we do, but then some of them we only see, you know, once a year or, you know, maybe we haven't seen friends in two years. And so naturally, slowly you grow apart from those friends and from that community because you're not as in touch with it. So that was a big part of us slowing down. The first few years of our travels were very fast, bouncing around countries. And then the last few have been, you know, four months in Bali, come back to California for a few months, a few months in Australia, sort of rotating between those. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've fallen into a bit of a rhythm with, with that Bali, California, Australia, based on, all right, family here, California, family here, Australia, and then Bali, I mean, who the heck doesn't want a home base yeah. in Bali? I, I, you know, like, it's kind of self-explanatory. And then I, I assume then kind of, you'll have that home base and then explore from there, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, when we go to Bali, we did a big trip to Lombok last year, which is the island next to Bali. Got to explore that area. And then we'll do like little trips in between those places. And yeah. And, and we've had friends come out and visit us mm-hmm. like, from, from the U.S. come and see us and in Bali when we're there and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then things will pop up. Like we got married in Mexico last year. And so we spent a month in Mexico, five weeks. Yeah. Five weeks. yeah so then we got to explore a little bit of that. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. What is it then for you guys? You, you have your home base, you know, in these different places. You have Bali. Do you have an apartment that you come back to? Or are you finding new places? And then likewise, Australia and California, where you have friends and family, because I know a lot of people would love to do that, but they're like, well, you know, what do I do? Do I just have to go on Airbnb and rent short term? Or is there a way that you found to do it in a manner that's, you know, financially feasible? Well, obviously you have found it. So what is it, I guess, is the is the question. <laughs> uh, staying flexible, definitely. Uh, I guess sort of finding a combination of, so when we're in Bali, we just usually rent a place. So we've got a place there. In Australia or California, when we're back for short term, so anything under a month, we usually stay with our parents. And then we travel, We have a van in the U.S. as well that we travel in, so we do a bit of van life. Uh, we do house sitting. We sort of find – and then subletting. So it's really just a sort of unique combination between how much time we've got, where we want to be, and what we want to do. And I'd say over the last three years, it's mostly been – well, we've had a place, we've lived in a van, we've done house sitting, and we've lived with our parents. So it's been like <laughs> a unique combination of all those times. So, Yeah. Yeah, we pretty much just have to be flexible and adaptable and willing to move around. Obviously, it would be great if we had, you know, a house here, a house there that we could just, you know, have full time. <laughs> but because we move around so much, it doesn't make sense to have any really one home base. So we pretty much are just doing short-term rentals wherever we are. And obviously, that's a deterrent for some people. Some people really wouldn't be happy with that lifestyle. Like they like to have their stuff in their home and have their creature comforts and, you know, whatnot. But for us, you know, we've traveled so much backpacking, staying in hostels and things like that, that to rent places, even just 
for a few months at a time feels really long term for us. Like it feels I feels luxury can't sometimes too, right? Oh, You're yeah. like, oh my gosh, I've got my own place. Like this is totally, cool. yeah, for sure. We've learned to appreciate the small things, and, yeah. and that means. Uh, small apartments. <laughs> <laughs> but even just having like a fridge stock full of the foods that you like and having the same bed night after night, like those things for us are definitely a luxury and we really enjoy them. But yeah, we pretty much just have to be flexible and see what opportunities come up. As Joel said, we do house sitting, which has been really fun. And we've gotten some cool opportunities to spend extended times in different cities that we may not normally spend time in. So yeah, just seeing what pops up and, and going for it. How, how far in advance are you all usually planning? Like, do you like to say, oh, we're, you know, not that it always breaks down this way, but hey, we have these kind of three home bases and then we'll travel as well. But we're always doing this season in Australia, this season in California, this season in Bali. Has that kind of been how it's flushed out the last couple of years? Yeah, I think so. Following the sun, we're definitely big summer people. We love the beach. And so we usually spend the start of the year at Christmas and start of the year in Australia when it's summer. Then we go to Bali after the rainy season and then we come back and we have summer in, in California or in the US. So that's been good. Although this time we didn't. We went to Canada for the winter to try something different because we're definitely not winter people. And now we know that. We can kind of go with the fact that we're not because we spent two months traveling around Canada in our van in the dead of winter. And it was a different experience, but we won't repeat it. Do it once and say that you've <laughs> yeah, done it and then realize you didn't want it. You don't want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad uh, triumvirate there between Bali, California and uh, and Australia. If you like the beach and you like the summer, I mean, you're picking three of the three of the hot spots. Uh, you guys mentioned living in a van. So give us a little bit about what that's like, because I, I don't know if I caught you right, but you have a van like you have a van that you own that is parked in the U.S., so when you come back, you kind of use that as, as your base. What's that like? So we got a van in 2017 and yeah, we still own it at my parents' house and it is not an Instagram van. So a lot of people have like the gorgeous sprinters that are really tall and are totally decked out. $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Those are like the mansions on wheels. Yeah. We have a 92 Dodge Ram beat up conversion van that we gutted and put in like a simple platform bed and a little uh, kitchen kind of area and bookshelf and whatnot. And it is, it feels like home. It's so cozy. It's not the most photogenic van that you've ever seen. From the outside, it looks, from the outside, it has some advantages <laughs> because when you pull up the places, it definitely looks super creepy. So you don't have people hassling you, but on the inside, it's nicer. Yeah. We've literally been in campgrounds, like dispersed camping grounds and had people pull up, take one and look at our van and turn right around and they're like we don't want to stay with this creepy van it's usually what we're doing when we roll into places we're like oh, you know just sort of looking at the vans does anything look sketchy so it's good to know that we look like that yeah i love it it keeps <laughs> it keeps any other creepy people away hopefully that's right but, you're, you're looking if anyone looks sketchy meanwhile it's like yeah we're the ones like we're the ones who look <laughs> sketchy this is crazy yeah, we're totally. rolling through slowly and they're like, who's that? But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. We've done some really great trips. Um, 2017, we did a few national parks um, and explored like the Western United States. And then earlier this year, we went up to Canada and did a really cool trip um, to Jasper, Banff, Vancouver. The Rockies and, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So we've had some really fun trips, but it's definitely more of a summer van it, I mean, it survived the winter, but it kind of rolled in on fumes at the end of it. It was pretty tired. So it's definitely more of like a California summer van. 
Gotcha. 1992, man. You guys got a new van. I've got an 89. That that thing's... <laughs> you got me beat by a couple years and definitely the creeper vibe. You're like, oh, these nasty blue curtains are still out. Yeah, that, that just adds to the allure. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it's done all right. It's done all right over the years. It's, it's mechanically, it works great. I mean, apart from a few things like the speedometer doesn't work very well, the gas gauge doesn't work. You know, the odometer, that's, that's out. So, But mechanically, the most important thing is it runs. And so that's... That's uh, that's been key. Yeah. <laughs> what well, one of the things that you guys are big on is sustainable tourism, and as you mentioned, that's even how you all met when you were doing uh, when you were doing some stuff in Peru. So, tell us a little bit about because I think as you know, as we're recording this, and hopefully when it comes out, maybe COVID's in the rearview mirror, but I highly doubt it. Um, but there has been a renewed focus, fortunately, on hey, how can we make travel sustainable? Like some of the stuff we're doing and we did before, you know, just isn't not isn't going to work, but people are shying away from it. They're like, oh, man, we now we have a time to kind of reset and rethink what we can do with travel. What do you guys do, whether it be big things, little things to kind of do your part for making it sustainable? For us, sustainable travels being a big part of our brand and also our interests. And so I think traveling slow has been a big part of how we've liked to approach our travels and being in a place for a lot a lot longer, being able to learn more about the culture, being able to learn how we can help support the local communities more by shopping at local businesses and supporting local tour guides. And so for us, sustainability has always been the three pillars of being sustainability with the environment and how we our impact on our travel uh, with the communities and the people that we interact with and also with the animal population. So they've been our, re our real three pillars. And so a big part of our travels is helping support ethical animal interactions, and, and that's what we write about on Don't Forget to Move. And then uh, doing a lot of development work has been involved in is obviously how we met, but also things that we've been involved in for many years after that and helping support communities how we can. And then also just environmentally trying to reduce our carbon footprint by yeah, traveling slow, being in places for longer, and and you know the, the usual stuff, cutting down plastic bags and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, we always say sustainable travel doesn't have to be like all or nothing. You know, it doesn't have to be like you're just the most green traveler ever, and you've got like all the gear and whatnot. It can be just little changes you make to your travels that can really. Uh, minimize your negative impact as a traveler. So one of the things we tell people and how we like to travel is just to basically live like a local when you're in a place. Not only is it uh, more sustainable, but you'll also get more of an authentic experience. And for us, we that's how we prefer to travel because you're really connecting with the culture and everything. So shopping at local shops, eating at local restaurants, staying at local hotels, that's making sure that the uh, your impact on the economy is actually staying in that community as opposed to, you know, staying at the big chain hotels. It's usually going out of the country. Um, and then just supporting those independent businesses, independent restaurants, and it'll also be the best food and shopping you do anyway, but it will help, uh, yeah, just make it more sustainable and contribute to the local economy and the local community in a really positive way. So it doesn't have to be like you're doing everything. It can just be little things like that, like, uh, just cutting down on, uh, just, yeah, not taking these huge group trips, going on smaller trips and just exploring independently. Yeah. Do your research and, and prioritize companies and destinations that are also working towards sustainability as well. So supporting those initiatives. So 
countries that are putting in more green initiatives and sustainability initiatives, uh, yeah, focusing on like exploring those and promoting those and also the companies that are working in those standards and guidelines as well. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, and and I hope that's something that people really take and run with when it comes to travel uh, in the future. At you know post COVID world and all that kind of stuff is this idea of like what countries a need the the tourism dollars right B, you know because they don't have infrastructure in the country um, you know to be able to make money different ways and then also which ones are taking a forward stance on sustainability on ethical rights of, of people who are working the tourism industry, right? Because that can be a big thing as well. Like, yeah, it's great. Us as travelers get to go and see this place, but the treatment of the people who are who are doing the service, you know, the servers and the hotel workers and the hostel, you know, it can be, it can certainly be uh, less than good in, in certain areas. Um, so yeah, for sure. I think that's a really, really good point. You guys also kind of another pillar of what you talk about is this idea of adventure travel. So sustainable travel, adventure travel. Is that something that you always kind of clung to even before maybe you met like, oh, we like this type of adventure trips or is it something that you grew into a little more? I think that Jules has probably pushed me a little bit out of my comfort zone and gotten me a little bit more into adventure travel. I'm kind of like, uh, I, I love adventure travel, but I can also like sit by the pool and have a margarita and do like a spa day. Well, so who I can, like who to can? mix it up. Who can't really? <laughs> Jules is not a huge fan of that, but right. <laughs> doing something he's very active, but yeah, I think pretty much because we started traveling, you know, when we were in our twenties and stayed in hostels and did that backpacking life, it was a lot of adventure travel and really getting out of our comfort zones and going on big hikes and doing things like that. So I think that's always drawn us to that type of travels, just, you know, experiencing new things that you couldn't necessarily do at home. Yeah. And adventure doesn't have to be, for us, adventure, you know, it's quite a broad sense. It doesn't have to be skydiving and doing all these crazy things that, you know, it's it's just taking an adventure, being willing to put yourself out there and be open to a travel experience, an authentic experience. And we've always used the word authentic because that's the word that we want to have travel, like authentic travel experiences because that's what travel is supposed to be. And so adventure travel could be deciding to take a chicken bus in Guatemala for five hours instead of taking the tour bus. And, you know, it's, it's more of an adventure, but it's also just authentic travel. That's when you're going to find, you know, a real insight into local life and you're going to get a story to tell someone something's going to go wrong and, but it's going to be great. And you're going to laugh about it later on or maybe cry about it at the time. But you know, <laughs> that's, that's what travel is supposed to be. It's supposed to be transformative. It's supposed to give you these opportunities to step outside your comfort zone and do something different than what you can do back home. Yeah. When Jules is trying to get you to ride the chicken bus, Christine, <laughs> I, I mean, so what is that? What does that look like? Because Heather and I kind of are, are a bit parallel too. like Heather, it's totally fine having a more posh setting, and that's great. Like, I don't not like it, but I'm more, let's get out. Let's have this authentic experience. Let, let's, you know, push our limits, even if we don't have to, just because why not? And so what is there a bit of a compromise, or are you kind of just saying, like, yeah, I want that too. I might not do it on my own, but all right, I'm, I'm game for it. There's definitely a bit of a compromise, especially earlier on in our travels when we were really budget conscious. It was like, okay, you know, maybe some days we can splash out a little bit and get like a private room and like a little bit of a nicer spot. But then in terms of like adventure activities, 
I think that Jules just pushes me to maybe go a little bit further than I would normally. So in terms of like just hiking a little bit further or jumping off a bigger rock into a, a pool of water, whatever it is. And she's always up for an adventure. I am. I, I'm always up for an adventure. Totally. But I think you just push it a little bit further, which is great. And nothing terrible has happened yet. So <laughs> hopefully nothing really <laughs> bad happens. Jump off that rock. Higher. Higher. <laughs> yeah. Higher. <laughs> but I think it's nice having like a little cheerleader to push you a little bit further out of your comfort zone. Um, especially I think when I was a solo backpacker, I had to be a little bit more aware of the risks I would, I was taking because I was, you know, solely responsible for myself and anything that happened I had to take care of. So having a, uh, partner that you're traveling with is a little bit more like you're sharing that responsibility and, I think you just feel a little bit more comfortable when you're traveling. So you're willing to take a little bit more of a risk. So yeah, we've had some good adventures together. I love the idea of, well, I would have jumped off that rock, but now he pushed me to jump off just a bigger rock. Like you would have done it, <laughs> but you're just going that extra little bit because you've seen someone do it. Someone's pushing you. You see that it's okay. And you know, you kind of don't want to be left behind. Like sometimes peer pressure can be a good thing when it comes to travel, right? Of like, yeah, I might have just sat around, but I don't really want to miss out on this experience. I'm pretty Absolutely. Good at, I'm pretty good at like positive peer pressure. I can see, <laughs> I can see, I feel like I can see the opportunity where people want to be pushed and I, yeah. Yeah. Whether, it, whether it's chugging up a rock or, you know, chugging a beer or something. <laughs> Whatever type of adventure you want. Do you guys find yourself <laughs> falling into roles with as far as responsibilities when traveling? So like is someone the one that is, you know, booking all the plane tickets and kind of doing the organizational thing or or yeah, I guess all the roles and all the things that have to happen when you're traveling do you find that one person's better and takes that on? Yeah, I'm definitely the navigator. Yeah, I'm terrible <laughs> with directions. So I'm Jules definitely, definitely does I'm that. I'm definitely the navigator. You, Christine would be more of the researcher, I'd say. Uh-huh. She likes to, she, especially when it comes to food, she loves to go onto a Yelp or something like that. She loves to see what people are talking about, what dishes. She's very indecisive. <laughs> well, if you have a limited time in a place, you want to make sure you're going to the most delicious place and ordering the most delicious things. So you have to make sure you do your research. Jules always makes fun of me if I'm like looking at reviews or whatever. But I, I mean, I think it has helped us in the long run. I, I'm, I'm more of probably at a detriment sometimes more of just like, oh, we'll just work it out. But then sometimes we'll end up eating somewhere crap because we haven't worked it out. Whereas Christine will... We'll always be open and flexible, but she'll at least have like, here's three spots I've found. So if we come across them, these are spots we can eat. And this is what people are eating. Whereas mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do that. So that, that definitely helps with the planning. But yeah, you're definitely more research. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm navigation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else? It's I'm pretty much a it. bit more organized, I'd say. Oh, barely. A tiny bit. <laughs> I'm a packer. Definitely a better no, packer. Jules is definitely a better packer. I, I'm pretty messy. But we pack way too many things. Yes, I'm an overpacker. Yes, and I end up carrying more things than I should have to. Oh, yeah. Jules Uh, is my Sherpa. He carries a lot of stuff. Preach it, brother. I'm always like, man, I'll say to Heather, like, I got my pack down so low. First off, she's like, why do you care? It's a carry-on. Why do you care if it's like smaller, like she doesn't understand why I don't fill it all the way up, but it's, it's a challenge, right? I'm like, no, I want to take one less shirt this time or what, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, I'm all proud of it. it. sits by the bedside. 
Next morning, I wake up, throw it on. We're going to the airplane. I'm like, well, this seems pretty heavy. I look in. It's like three more pairs of her shoes, all the toilet treats. <laughs> I'm like, why would I even oh, bother? Yeah. Why would I even bother cutting that shirt out? <laughs> but now I just have more stuff in here anyway. Oh, yeah. They ask us why we care. Why we care is because we end up carrying more stuff. That's why. <laughs> I always sneak stuff into Jules' oh, bag. Yeah. I'm like, you can fit this. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, Who's the one... Or, or is there someone that makes more of the mistakes, like gets you into more sticky situations or mishaps? Oh, gosh. I say we're pretty equal. Or, or is it just a, it's just a joint effort when it comes to mishaps? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Jules is a little bit more, um, I don't want to say irresponsible, but a little bit more throw that. caution to the wind. Yeah. And I wasn't going to say hot headed, but I was going to say whatever the lesser of it, medium headed. Yeah. <laughs> so he can be a little bit more of a wild child, I a guess. A wild card sometimes. But I'd say we're pretty equally get ourselves into sticky situations. Yeah. Yeah. Give us, I, we're going to talk about your biggest travel mishap, but you know, you have a whole podcast around the, the stuff that happens. Just give us a few before we get to the main one, the, the marquee one, what are just a few of the silly, dumb things that you guys have found yourself doing over, well, how long has it been? Eight years, you said, that you've been traveling, basically? Yeah. Um, I got robbed at gunpoint in Panama. <laughs> that is actually pre-Jules, but the, the stupid part about that was, uh, this is my first backpacking oh, yeah, trip. <laughs> we uh, were in, um, oh, what is that place called? Bogus del, del Toro, which is like a bit of a backpacker party spot, but they have these beautiful mm -hmm. islands you can take a boat to. So we were like, okay, for the day, let's go take a boat to an island. And we'd heard it can be kind of sketchy robberies and whatnot. But of course, when you're a young traveler, you're like, nothing bad will happen to me. <laughs> so I went to the ATM, got a bunch of money out, had my DSLR camera, had all of my important documents pretty much. I was like, okay, let's go to this island where people get robbed. <laughs> so we went, had a great time in the beach. And then of course, on the way back, get held up get robbed. Uh, and luckily we were kind of walking in the single file line on this little trail and we could see that the people in front of us were getting robbed. And so somebody in my group had this great idea to throw our bags down this ditch and hopefully come back for them later. So when we went by the guy with the gun, we were like, we don't have anything. And then we ran to the dock and told some locals and they ran back with us and all of our stuff was still there. I had like $800 in cash, my very expensive camera, all of my stuff. And it was all still there, which was a miracle. But I learned my lesson. Do not bring all your valuables with you if you're going on a day trip, especially to a place that is known to have robbers so it worked out fine but it was a bit of a stressful situation wow so you actually didn't get robbed thankfully or at least or i don't know like you didn't get anything taken from you that's pretty amazing i know robbing. yeah it was an attempted robbing i guess yeah I, i've uh, yeah nothing yeah nothing was taken even though i probably should have like i did he should have gotten everything. Like I was so dumb back then, but thankfully my travel angels were looking out for me because nothing bad happened and mm. it all worked out and it's a good story. So <laughs> totally. Jules, what about you? Is there anything that you did before Christine, like pre Christine or, or even just like a way <laughs> that you traveled? Like, Oh, I used to make this mistake, but now that we're together, I don't. Um, I've been pretty fortunate. Like, even though like not, even though I travel pretty recklessly and, and 
pretty sort of fly by the seat of my pants. I haven't really had anything crazy happen to me. I mean, I've had we've had a lot of travel mishaps in terms of being sick and you know being lost and things like that, but nothing really in terms of nothing too bad that I can think of. Had you just very blessed. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, you were her travel angel, maybe before she even yeah. knew. There you go. Aww. Jules Aww. in his in her ear, like throw that bag down the ditch. <laughs> throw that bag down the ditch. You know, um, seriously, that's pretty crazy. That's a. It's funny because the mental picture I have is like single file. It's like you know when you go to a deli and you're taking a ticket and you're like waiting for them. It's like everyone's just waiting to get robbed. Oh, okay, five people out of me are getting robbed. I guess I have to wait in this line. You know. Crazy. Isn't that Number funny? Yes, that's <laughs> uh, I have nothing. Uh, interesting. Okay. Fair enough. I was one. terrified, to be honest. I know I I summed that up like not it wasn't that big of a deal, but I literally had my pockets turned inside out. I had my hands up. I was just like, I do not know what to do. I've never been robbed before. I was so scared. But yeah, it turned out to be fine. So. Yeah, if you so weren't good. terrified, I would be worried. I'd be like, what? Why is she not worried? I mean, that's a yeah. I've never had that happen. So thankfully, fingers crossed. I guess Jules and I are just lucky. Um, never been robbed. So um, so we're all good there. But we have heard a lot of horror stories. I mean, on the podcast, that has been like the key thing. So like we've told our stories, but we've also had a lot of stories being told to us that we retell. And and there's some there's definitely some shockers here. There's some worse rob stories as well. Mm, true. Yeah, for sure. For you guys then, what are some of, instead of like talking about ways just to save money when traveling, what are some of the things that you'll always splurge on? And then where are the areas that you are willing to cut back? Maybe maybe as a couple, but also individually, because I know Heather and I are the same way. Like she'll splurge on something that I would be like, eh, I wouldn't waste my money on this, but then I'd have a different splurge. I think for us, experience is the big thing that we'll splurge on because that's, and especially if they're different experiences that you can't get anywhere else. So that's like a key thing. And when it comes to where we're skimping, we can go, which we travel a lot different now than we used to when we budget backpackers. Now we travel for work and we've got a bit more of a budget. And so we, you know, we have relaxed our spending a little bit more, but really food, we can, we can scrounge on food for five or six meals just so we can go and do something like a really good meal on the seventh one. I think that that's been a bit, a lot of our travel style is that we can travel as cheap as we can up into a point that we want to do something and then we're not afraid to spend that money on it because if we're not spending money having experiences, then we might as well not be traveling. Yeah, definitely. Definitely experiences. Like we don't really buy souvenirs or buy any items while we're abroad. So it's more experiences. And then with food, like I, I love a good meal out in a nice place. I like to get dressed up and whatnot. But then oftentimes we have um, just ama- uh, like similarly amazing meals at places that are really cheap. So it's kind of hard to justify spending so much money on this really fancy meal when you can get food that's on par with that at kind of the hole in the wall little restaurant that only the locals go to. So yeah, but I do like to go to like a nice have a nice cocktail. I'd say that's my splurge. Yeah, or the odd ho- odd hotel, but we're not usually big hotel people. Uh, I'd say. Yeah, not not huge, but it is nice every it's once nice, in a while yeah. to to have like book a really nice hotel for a couple nights and just yeah. enjoy it. We definitely appreciate the luxury when we when we have it, but I think that's also what makes us appreciate is that we're not doing it all the time. And you know, when we're doing work trips, we often get put up in hotels and things like that. But usually, we prefer more of the smaller places or like more of the authentic ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say for us hotels, uh, you know, that might be the diff- biggest difference seeing Heather and I is like we both appreciate a good meal. She, whether it's expensive or not, she does like 
oh, I want to go somewhere nice that I can dress up. Like it's maybe even less about the food and more about, hey, this is like almost a break from regular life, right? Dress up. It's a little fancy. You get a cocktail. But the hotels is definitely where, you know, if she had her way, she'd be like, oh, well, I, I like I would splurge on this because it's worth it to me. And I'm kind of eh, like it's a bed. Yeah, I, I can make do. I don't mind if it's nice, but I don't need it to be. But similar to you all, when we are then somewhere nice, it is. It's like I can remember the Intercontinental in Ljubljana because it was one night and we had a hotel night and we used it. But we just remember going up with a. I think it was the first day it was open. So we're in this like crazy penthouse suite that had never been slept in before. And we're just like, you know, this would be cool for anyone. But if you were used to just hanging out in these really nice hotels all the time, might be lost on you. But we're like sitting there thinking, you know, I'm like turning on the bath, not even getting in it. Because I'm like, I don't even (laughs) care. I just want to turn it on. Oh, let's like look at these 18 towels we have, you know. Um, I think it it makes you appreciate it for sure. If, If you've done a decent amount of traveling like like you all have where you're like hey independent and i would even go as far as saying like we don't do a ton of group travel actually we do very little but kind of then when you are going on a tour or or you hire a guide or you go on a food tour you're kind of like wow someone's someone's doing this for me i don't have to plan every little thing so i kind of see that as a splurge sometimes as well yeah, definitely. We definitely do that sort of stuff more now than we used to. Back when we were budget backpacking, we never thought we had to hire a guide. You know, we'll work it out ourselves. We'll do it. And we definitely found that over the years, a guide can be very useful and very handy and can definitely enrich your experience and understanding of a place or a location or an attraction or the history because that's their job, you know. And so it does take the stress out of that. And it really, I mean, it also, it helps support the local economy. Like, There's a lot of benefits to it. And it can just be a nice experience as well. So that's something that we, yeah, that, that would be an experience that we would spend money on now as opposed to when we first met, we'd be like, nope. You know, we'd be the people that we'd be going to Machu Picchu and we'd be just sort of hovering behind a group sort of like <laughs> not listening to hear what's going And then we'd get like 17 different guide interpretations of the one spot because we'd just be bouncing from group to group trying not to feel like we're, we're leeching. But, yeah, that would be us. And these days we'd be like, okay, let's. this is something that we were looking forward to. This is something we want to learn about. Let's get a guide. So that would be the difference in our travels now. Yeah, I think just mixing it up is a good thing to do. Like if you're normally do group travel, try independent travel and vice versa and just test things out. And I think it does make you appreciate the other side of, you know, whatever style of travel you usually do. Like when we do stay at a really nice hotel, we're the same. We're like, we have arrived. We're like jumping on the bed. Yeah, like turning on the bath, like looking at the view. Just we're just straight for the robes. No oh, I guess. I should just be like, we have a robe. <laughs> a robe and slippers. I'm always in that for us and it's just like we're going to really enjoy this where like you said if you do that all the time you're not going to really enjoy it as much so yeah. it's good to switch it up a little you, you go into a room you go oh this is not as good as the last one i went to right yeah, but if you do them every six months you're like oh this is good mm-hmm. yeah yeah heather makes fun of me all the time because if it has like a pool sauna hot tub it doesn't matter if we have like 10 minutes in the hotel i'm like i'm going like i'm trying all the amenities it's free i'm going to the gym i'll work out for five minutes like oh she's like why or i won't even work out be like i just want to go see it right she's like why do you care i'm like i don't know it's just different it's we don't get this all the time so let's just try it out right Totally. I do love a hotel buffet as well. I get oh, yeah. about buffets. <laughs> Jules loves a buffet. <laughs> I've even got a little song, but I won't sing it. It's a, <laughs> there is a great place in Bali. Now, obviously, you guys are renting long term, but one of the best hotel buffets we've ever had 
is uh, the Haven in Seminyak. Um, that is just an incredible, incredible breakfast spread. And I know, I'm sure Bali has, you know, tens of these different places with awesome, you know, uppity things. But for like, you know, for Bali, it's a little expensive. But for us, you know, it was like 70 bucks a night or, or 50 bucks a night. I'm like, man, I ate probably 50 bucks of French toast. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I got my money's worth there. So Nice. How yeah. Many, how many how many dollars worth did you stuff in your pocket to leave? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like, all right, this is breakfast, lunch, and maybe dinner. We're scoring here. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So you guys have had a lot of travel and, and you already said about being robbed in Panama and that not being like the biggest mishap. So now I'm kind of waiting with baby breath of like what is it? Like, what is the story that you guys come to? And you're like, we're going to be sitting on our rocking chairs, telling like the kids, grandkids, whoever, about this one mishap that happened. Uh, it's going to be Christine's dengue fever story. Yeah, that's probably the was the most. We, I mean, we've had a lot of weird, not so good things happen to us, but that was probably the most traumatic was flying from Cancun to Cuba. This was in 2016. Yeah. And I started feeling really crummy on the way over, like just really ill. And arriving in the Cuban airport in Havana was a show. Like, it's just not very organized. At least it wasn't in 2016. Huge line for immigration. And you're out, basically outdoors in the heat. It was awful. Like, two hours in line for immigration. Another two hours in line for baggage. So by this time, it ended up being, like, midnight. We shared a cab uh, with a couple of women into town to get to our Casa Particular. Okay, this is where I'll interject. This okay, Jules has his version of the story. Because he always says, I made the mistake. So maybe this is a mishap. But obviously in Cuba, you don't have access to internet and Wi-Fi as well as you, especially back in 2016, as well as you do in other places around the world. And so I had written down what I had interpreted as the address of the place we were staying at, which happened to not be the address that we went to and we could not find for we could not find this place and christine is going downhill very quickly and we're walking around walking around until we come across this guy in the street he's like cubans are very friendly he's like hey like you know can i help him like this is the address and so he's running us around trying to help us find this address eventually he sees how sick christine is he brings us back into his house and sits her down in the middle of the family like one o'clock in the morning there's all these like young kids have come out to see these two like lost gringos sitting in their lounge room trying <laughs> to give us coffee and Christine is just continuing to like get worse and worse and I'm out in the street with the guy. Yeah, and eventually we did find a place to stay. It, it had turned out, which we didn't realize at the time, but we found out that the entire city was booked up because Obama was in town and he was doing his big Cuba tour, I guess. So everybody wanted to be there and it was completely booked out. And the Rolling Stones were there doing a free concert in conjunction with Obama and putting on this big show for everybody. So the whole place was booked. So it was really hard to find a place. So we were we finally found a place to stay. I don't know what happened with our original place we booked, but that was gone. Uh, and eventually over the week, I just got worse and worse. I was basically sleeping all day, not eating or drinking and just feeling completely horrible. It was terrible. And I had no idea what was wrong with me. And finally a woman, the woman who we were staying with was like, Oh, do you have red dots on your stomach? And I was like, yes, I do. That's really weird. And she's like, yeah, you have dengue fever. You need to go to the hospital immediately. So travel insurance 
if you can, we always say if you can't import, afford travel insurance, you can't afford to travel because it is honestly the most important thing. And we had been a little bit slack in getting it. We've always traveled with it, but sometimes we've picked it up along the way, you know, like, oh, it was one of those things we forgot to do. Like, we've got to get travel insurance. We've got to, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get it. And then we end up on the plane and we're like, right, when we first thing when we land, we've got to get travel insurance. And then we forget. And so we'd been a few days in Mexico before Cuba. So at that stage, we still hadn't bought it, which is a very ill-advised travel tip. And so before we went to the hospital, I was like, wait a sec, I've got to go and get us some travel insurance. So Christine is like dying in this Casa Particular in this room. I'm like running around town trying to find a little Wi-Fi hotspot so I can pick up some travel insurance before we go to the, to the hospital. <laughs> and thank goodness we did. Thank God I bought it and it like initially, like it sort of came in straight away. Uh, yeah. That's technically the way it should go, but. That's fine. So we end up at the clinic and they take one look at me and they're like, you really need to get on IV drip immediately. So I, they gave me two IV drips, which I like soaked up so quickly. And they were like, you need to go to the hospital for tropical diseases because you're like not doing so well. So they put us in this rickety ambulance, like a wooden sort of Cuban style ambulance. They take us to the hospital. It is a, I mean, I'm sure all the facilities are fine, but it looks like a hospital from a video game where like, yeah, where like it's abandoned and the lights are flickering and there's no one else in the hospital. And thank God in Cuba, you can actually rent the hospital bed next to you for your partner, or at least that's what we did. So Jill stayed with me the whole time I was in the hospital, which was four nights. And I basically, yeah, I basically, there's no cure for dengue. So you're just taking, uh, like hydration basically. And our Spanish was pretty good, but it was a little bit of a miscommunication. And this was also at the height of Zika. So I was like, had no idea what I had, or if I was like on death's door or what was going on, but it was pretty horrible. And obviously I couldn't communicate with anybody, anybody back home because no Wi-Fi in Cuba, barely any internet. So it was very isolating. And one of the worst parts was that we missed the Rolling Stones concert. It was during the hospital stay and Jules was very sweet and stayed by my side and did not go to that concert. Obviously. Obviously, very sweet husband. And yeah, and then we were just there for four nights and we I survived. I'm fine now, obviously. I was running back and forth to town. I had to go and pick up their stuff and move it because we had our stuff at one like one room. I had to go and bring it all to the ho- uh, the hospital and then back and forth and bring food and Bit of a bit of a nightmare, and the whole time Christine's mum's trying to communicate with us, and like, and Christine was like, "Just don't tell my mum anything until we get out of here." So she's like, "Hello," and she's like to Christine, "Hello," and then she's messaging me, "Hello." My poor mother, she had no idea the whole time I was in the hospital. Ignorance I was like, I can't is bliss when it comes to parents and you not feeling well. Like, just the, yeah, <laughs> they can't do anything, right? Especially in this case. So exactly, totally. Yeah. And yeah, it was just horrible. They called dengue fever the bone breaking disease because it it just makes it feels like your whole body is all your bones are breaking. And but it was fine. Like I turned out fine. But a testament to how much we were budget backpackers was that on the way back from the hospital, Mm -hmm. instead of springing for like a five dollar taxi cab, we took a ten dollar taxi cab. (laughs) We took the local bus out of the hospital, crammed in with so many people. And I was still feeling horrible. And we were just like, no, got to save some money. The bus will be like 25 cents. So let's just take the bus, took that back to our casa. 
And yeah, that's it was it was a wild ride. Dengue is a, a very intense thing to go through. Well, the bus is fine. The bus is great. I've been taking it back and forth in the hospital. It'll be fine. It's really cheap. <laughs> yeah, it just shows up. You've been taking it back. You don't have the bone breaking disease, but you've been yeah, taking yeah. it back and forth. <laughs> Man, that is some budget backpacker chops right there, Christine. Taking the bus after being in the hospital for four or five days with dengue and saying, yeah, I'm going to do a 25 cent bus. Out of curiosity, any idea how much it would have cost, like how much the uh, the hospital and all that cost if you didn't have travel insurance? Like, did you ever see a bill of like, oh, we would have paid X amount? Yeah, we paid it up front. It's actually, so one thing about Cuba is that it's extremely cheap and they have really great doctors. Even if some of their facilities and the access to equipment is a little bit dated, they have some of the best doctors medically trained in the world. And I'm pretty sure it was about, it was only about 800 bucks. Yeah. The whole experience. And that was for all the, the constant IVs. That was for the first medical appointment. That was for the ambulance to the hospital. And then the four nights stay, four or five nights stay, as well as my bed, which I think was only $20 a night to rent next to her. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was, un, it was definitely under $1,000. So we paid all of that up front and then were reimbursed. But yeah, I mean, that anywhere else would have been insane. Oh, in the U.S. it would have been thousands, tens of thousands. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. Yeah. And you got that luxury ambulance ride. I mean, all for under a yeah. thousand bucks. Now, I that... know. <laughs> so if you, if I, mean, I didn't have dengue, so it was... <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, oh, this was, this was not bad. I missed a concert. That kind of sucked. <laughs> so if you're going to get dengue fever, get it in Cuba, and then you'll be you'll be fine, at least financially. Um, and have travel insurance. There That's you go. always helpful. There you go. What are you guys having uh, have coming up in the pipeline? We're recording right now when COVID is is hot. You know, it's still happening. Um, but do you have plans for future travel? Uh, or, or like, or if you don't have a plan, do you have certain destinations like, all right, this is next for us, or this is what we're going to do? And then also on the professional side, what what's going with? Don't forget to move and the not so bon voyage podcast. What do you guys have planned? Well, we're, we're pretty much just playing it month to month, as most people are um, personally and professionally. We were lucky that we got a good couple of months at the start of the year on our Canadian road trip, and we came back literally two days before lockdown. So we did get a good chunk of travel at the start of the year, and we had things planned for this year that have been postponed and potentially cancelled. And when it comes to work, I mean, in the US right now, I can't see us leaving the US for the rest of the year. I mean, realistically, like the way things are, you know, we're already... I can't really go back home to Australia. We, we can't go to Europe as it stands. And so our options are pretty limited. So we definitely want to try and use this time to do some more domestic travel around the US. But in saying that, we also want to be conscious of, you know, being safe and, and helping, you know, California at the moment is on the rise, you know, where that stands, you know, in a couple of months, we're not sure. So it's, it's a little bit hard to know uh, what to do and where to go. And, and also we want to be responsible with our travel as well. So... I don't know. Yeah. Well, but, you know, we love having the podcast. We, you know, have uh, travelers on and they tell their travel horror stories. So it's been really fun to just continue that travel based conversation, even when none of us are really traveling. Just, you know, continue in that travel community and share stories and reminisce about the good old days when we could just go wherever we wanted, whenever we wanted. But so, yeah, just continuing uh, with the podcast, putting out episodes and focusing on that right now. Yeah. I think it is a welcome relief, not just for you know us, but also for listeners. Not and, and by us, I mean people who are hosting it. it. It's really a win-win. And I know in the very beginning, 
you know, in March, Heather and I were talking like, all right, what, you know, should we be talking about travel, this and that? And we just came to a point like, yeah, if this is what we normally do and if this is how we can help and, you know, bring entertainment, joy, funny stories, whatever, a break from the monotony. Um, this is what we need to do. So if you guys are craving more of that, if you're listening to this, you can go find their podcast. If you're, however you're listening to this podcast, right? They'll be able to find yours, um, at the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. You guys are on all, I'm sure, all the directories. They can find you wherever, right? All the platforms. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Christine and Jules, thank you guys so much for joining me today, for sharing the not so glamorous side of travel, um, and saying like, even when this happens, like this is why we do it to have an experience that we wouldn't have, you know, otherwise. Like, yeah, dengue fever, not great to have, but <laughs> but it makes a cool story afterwards. So thank you guys for taking the time to come on and and just showing that it's not going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be in order to be the experience that that you probably ultimately want. So that's awesome. Remind people how they can come find you then. So our blog is uh, don'tforgettomove.com. We are on all the social medias at don'tforgettto with the numeral move and then notsobonvoyage.com and notsobonvoyage on all of social media. So come find us. Come say hi. The good travel stories and the tips and the tricks and the planning on Don't Forget to Move and the stories of where things go wrong on notsobonvoyage that are more of the the transformative stories and, you know, the authentic travel stories where you learn different sorts of lessons. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. You broke it up. Like tips, tricks, come here. You want to hear the real stuff, the the behind the (laughs) scenes, go there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Really, truly appreciate it. Thank you everyone for tuning in today and for all the support that makes this Top Radio Travel Podcast. And until next time, everyone, happy free travels. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, guys. I'll show you